and uh, to make your comments and insights and observations and questions and whatnot. Um, we should try to maximize the time because uh, I, I, this is, as I said, it's a longer series that I condensed as best I can into into, into a shorter one. But I, have, I do have what I have ground to cover. I have some really interesting real life scenarios that we'll play through. Um, What's this? What's today's share called? Okay. So today is um, dating. Okay. I thought we were ready to get. When we're ready to start dating. When, well, that's the beginning of dating, right? You know, so you have to, you know, you have to figure out when is the right time. When, when, when do you know that you know you're ready to get married? Um, that's 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 what we'll start with. Um, I had what did I have on yesterday? Mm -mm. I had a couple of observations in terms of men and women and why we're fundamentally different animals. Um, different creatures altogether who look at each other differently and understand each other differently. Um, we talked a lot about that yesterday, right? So towards that end, um, I have a, I quoted the Gemara in Ksubos, but I didn't really illustrate this with a with a contemporary modern day thing. And I must have this must have come up in conversation and maybe one of our schmoozes on, on, a, on a Tuesday night. Um, you remember the, the reason for Ksuba? Why did Chazal require a man to write a Ksuba? In fact, to the point that um, a woman, a married woman, is not permitted to be married without a Ksuba. And if she is without a Ksuba, you know, if she's without a Ksuba, they have to end the marriage. They have to, or have to write it up immediately. It's urgent. Why? Why the Ksuba? It's a deterrent to uh, it's a That's right. That's that's the idea. The way the Lashon of Chazal Shalotiet Davar Kal Be'inav she shouldn't be a light thing in his eyes that um, he'll want to say um, you know, to, to get rid of her. Thank you. It's been nice. Have a nice life. Um, and so Chazal gave what really was a hefty sum of money. We learned about Ksuba a little bit in the beginning of Makos, right? That a hundred for Baula for a woman who has cohabited with a man before, like an almana or a divorcee, um, and if she is a besula, uh, somebody who's never been with a man, so then so then her exuba is 200 zoos, which is a lot of money, and it's not prohibitive. 45,000 is... What do we call it? How much that today? I thought, it was, I thought 100 was uh, like 12,000, which would be the 20. These are debatable. These are debatable exactly how would it be, how it would be uh, approximated for, for our values today. We have, we have exuba, so what do they mean today? So a ksuba today should also be a hefty sum of money. And the idea, it's meant to be a lot, as you correctly said, a deterrent so that he shouldn't divorce his wife, on the one hand. On the other hand, it shouldn't be uh, prohibitive because divorce is a possibility. It's a tragedy. The, as the end of the Gemara and Gitin ends, the uh, Malach Esharis, or the heavenly Mizbeach itself, cries tears um, at the divorce of a, of, of a man from, from, from a woman. But sometimes it's the correct thing to do. We'll talk about that too. We'll talk about divorce as well as part of marriage. Um, can I make my own point? Any last questions? So, so this quality, why did Chazal have to institute this thing? And notice it's not reciprocal. She does not, with all the egalitarian nonsense that goes on in the world today, a woman does not write a ksuba for the man. And that was evident yesterday. We talked about this, uh, an expression you get familiar with saying, tav lametav. Tandu of Armalu Reish Lakish and Markedushin that a woman is better to be in a bad marriage than a no marriage. Women want to be married, men don't. Profoundly not. And think about even the secular world and the rituals around men getting married and the terms of speech, the way the way that people convey it. Yeah, poor guy, he's going down, it's terrible, his life's over, and so on. And ball and chain. Well, yeah, okay, thank you. How are you filling in? What, what is this? Again? Ball and chain. Ball and chain. There you go. My favorites. Right, um, that there's a, an elaborate secu um, secular ritual surrounding the man getting married, involving all kinds of um, uh, activities, bachelor parties with un 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 untold women popping out of cakes and such, and uh, that's, his, that's his that's his last night of happiness, and it's all down from there. But think about it. Think about it in contrast with the. If this is the secular world, which I argue illustrates the point that a Kaddish Baruch Hu created in humanity, he builds this in, he builds us into the Bria, into the firmament, into how we are as men and women, distinctly. We're like this. And they, even in the so-called egalitarian society, which they're not, come on, um, they're, they behave this way. A woman, a woman who gets married, that is the dream of her lifetime. And a woman who does not get married, pity, pity the person. She is an old maid. She's destitute. She's a failed female. And the way, was that? 40 cats. Forty cats. There you go. Nice. Good. Good. There's, there's the cliches. Um, 
the joke, this is the part that's, that's but this is, this is gross, but it also really makes the point. And it's another illustration that this is deep in humanity. It's the joke that all my buddies in Berkeley, um, at least until I told you this, no? So it's the joke that my buddies in Berkeley used to, you remember this, Paul? No? You're talking about this once on a Tuesday night? Fine. Um, so this was, but I was in Berkeley. I was liberal. Uh, I was a different phase in life. You didn't know that? Longish. Picture never happened. Bye-bye. I was a different, different kind of person. And we would, in, we were, I was in Berkeley, I was liberal, which you have to try hard to be because Berkeley is so definitionally liberal. You know about the Berkeley? More liberal. I was. I was. Um, no, the truth is, the truth is I claim some of my liberal sensibilities are still intact. And, that, and that I think, for example, this, the, the Torah's recognition of, of men as effectively being animals and the protection of women that the Ksuba, among many other institutions, provides, I, I claim in, in, a, in arguing with feminists, I claim that the Torah is the original feminist manifesto. Because really, Kaddish Baruch Hu loves all of his creatures and, and absolutely forbids us from um, discriminating and, and, and down, uh, downsizing any individual. Females are holy too, and, and knowing how men are, Kaddish Baruch Hu put them, in, he gave them a certain elevation and built in protection. That's what Ksuba is. So listen to the joke. The jo- okay, so like this. My friends were also liberal, and we we're good guys, and in a, let's say, a sociology 101 seminar, we'd all, you know, express all the PC kind of ideas. But when it was, that was when we were out there, and these women, the girls were there, part of the discussion. When it was just the guys, and we we're sitting around watching the game with beers in hand, and to the scene a little bit and no girls were present the joke the joke that everybody just said this was it was something along these lines what is the ideal female oh thanks for you, you, you tell the one about the about the uh, get, about the uh, the chicken getting the other side of the street won't you uh, don't tell the joke with the punchline the um so the joke that the that the, that the guys the, the guys used to say was what is the ideal woman she is she is no no there are a lot of different versions you can give to this she does whatever you want. Oh, it was Berkeley, so they, they filled in slightly different words. But she uh, does whatever you want. And afterwards, um, when you're done, she turns in a piece of pizza. Uh, now, what does that convey? I mean, the guys love that. It's like, oh, yeah, right, perfect. Because when you're done, whatever you're doing, so then you don't want to deal with the human being that's in front of you. She is, she's another conquest. That's how men are. We like to make her conquest and move on to the next one. That's the bathroom stall. Checks on the bathroom stall. Oh, um, that's, the, that's the stereotype. That's the culture. But I'm claiming all of this deeply illustrates something in the male psyche, and it illustrates something in the female psyche. And, um, and the men would like to be free of the woman. And in objectifying her, she's an object for his gratification. And when he's done with that self-gratification, she then becomes yet another object for gratification, a piece of pizza. Because I don't really want to deal with you as a person. Chazal, recognizing this, gave us marriage. Took the male Yitzhahara and put it in the... Um, this is how we formulated this. this put it in the box. And he put it in the... He took, his, he took the genie of the Yitzhahara and put it in the lamp of marriage. And said, you can have this, and you can even channel Yitzhahara, and marriage is the fantastic, perfect... Um, Surrounding for your Yitzhahara, you can achieve your greatest goals and fulfill your own destiny. Take your Yitzhahara and apply it for good, have children, having, ha- having a home, having a beautiful marriage, but you have to do it in the right context. It has to fit, and that's, and the Ksuba's all part of that. So, yeah, good. Questions? Can you, if she wants the get, can you give it to her only on condition that you don't have to pay the Ksuba? You're asking, a, you're asking a, an unrelated question. Well, this is good at us paying the Ksuba. Be like a yeah. Can you wheel and deal? Can you blackmail her? Basically, the only that's like um, what that's like a pilagas. The, the base team has um, ways of dealing with people like this. Just make yeah. sure when you're pursuing those ways, make sure that, you're, that the FBI is not on your track. Does yeah. anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Like, what well, you want to secretly give the guests inside? You want to get the guests. Right. The Gemara says. Or the post can say, Kofin oso A get can only be given with a husband's intent. It has to be fully, oh, yeah, yeah. it has to have So, what does the mate do if he doesn't want to give the get and he wants to pull a shtick like you just described, or many other kinds of shtick that people they do? And they certainly do, because men, men do this to women a lot, um, is they beat him up. And many said, and you force him until he says, I want to give the get. 
Really deep right. down here. And that's the obvious, obvious Kashi is wait, and that means Ashiro Ashiyoma Rutsani until he says that. Yeah, that's really Rutsani. Deep down he wants to. And that's, of course, the shot. That's the famous shot that half of you know and half, and, and, and you're giving away the other half. You never learned the Sugit before, but that's the Sugit. Is that deep down we are Yitzhahatov. We really want to do the right thing. And so when we contain our Yitzhahara, when we contain our Yitzhahara, we actually feel great about ourselves. Conversely, when we give into our Yitzhahara and we allow it to run run rampant around the room and do, do all kinds of things, the next morning, the guy wakes up feeling nauseous and feeling disgusted with himself. At the time, it was fun, but then later on, he feels worse, and it, it counterbalances all the fun that may have been at the time. But if Sahara takes over your life, that's the worst possible feeling. Comes to Torah and gives us this whole package, this marriage package, as a way of elevating us, as giving us a chance for having a good life of Kedusha, which secretly we all really, and, and subconsciously at least, we all really crave. Tony, then Yosef, then I'm getting on to Shidduchim. Uh, the whole super oh. thing uh, about it being a deterrent, I mean, in America, it doesn't really work considering there's alimony, which, can, which is a lot of money, monthly. It's only if you have a kid. No, no, alimony is... Alimony is... That's another deterrent to divorce. No, I mean, alimony is you know, amount per month, and it's still not enough to stop the... The whole problem with right. So I don't want to analyze. I mean, we, we made mention of divorce yesterday, and we're going to be talking about it inevitably because we're talking about how to have a good marriage. No, come get a chair. There's no room here. You're going to have to make up on the floor. Is it one, four, four, four? Oh, everybody's crowded. There's room here. David, come. Um, is it you're not too smushed? You're okay? Yeah. Get yeah, grab a chair. Grab a chair. What? Yeah, I mean, inevitably, we're going to talk about the the disaster of modern marriage today, and that's going to come out why 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 it is that that way. So we'll, you're ahead of us for now, but we'll we'll, we'll go there. Go ahead. My question is, is um, do like reformer and conservative people also go by like supers and stuff? Do they actually do like same thing? Nah. No. Nah. I'm just like, like I don't know if they have like the same idea of marriage. No. No. And I mentioned this. We, uh, it, it, who was here when uh, in the 12:30 year we did reform and conservative? We yeah. Did a little better of Moshe's chuvas. Um, the conservative movement just the last couple days. You're, you're you're a newsman, right? The conservative movement just came out. The they voted. The USY United Synagogue Youth voted as if like all the kids have a say in halacha, right? So they voted in favor of the new halacha and the conservative movement. Yeah. It's now oh, they they now um, give me the formulation. They they no longer discourage intermarriage. You can you can uh, interdate or something yeah, like that. I, I, what was I, it? I've never heard. No. Oh yeah, it's brand new. Yeah, no, yeah, the latest thing. Wait, what? Wow. Yeah. Conservatives, you know, intermarriage—that's racist. Anyway, you want only married Jews. That's so selective and elitist and everything. So now intermarriage is okay. Wait, wait, wait. Is, is that what the J, is that what the JTS posted? No, no, that's USY. No, is it just USY voted on a made-up halakha? Well, that's what they do. JTS does. No, but JTS is, is at least more authoritative. Uh, nah, 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 not true. Anyway, before the conservative, what yeah. Moshe did effectively was by definition their marriages. He uses uh, also for this um, the statement about Shalotia Kalabin Avlotia, the definition of Ksuba is from the first paragraph of Ksubos. Another famous principle from the first chapter of Ksubos is the idea of Avinu Rabbanan, rabbis. Give the rabbis authority to uproot something fundamental. And Ramosha, controversially, not everybody accepts this, Ramosha's sock, but he says very famously that um, by definition, a marriage that was uh, that had a Masada Kedushin, so to speak, of a reformer, conservative, reconstructionist, or renewal, or humanitarian, I don't know what other denominations are out there, um, the rabbi, or Rebetzin, or it, or whatever they call themselves, um, uh, that, that that by definition is a traif marriage. It's not marriage. All it, What it is is those people are now effectively living in Snus, which is a problem, it's an Isser, but it's not grave, and then, therefore, they don't need a formal divorce. And they don't, they're not really married, they don't need a formal divorce, and therefore it saves people from the terrible ramifications of adultery, and then all subsequent children from adulterous unions would then be mamzerim and the, the mess that that would cause. I was going to ask about same-sex marriage. I'm like, two men getting married, two women getting married, what do you mean to you don't. You don't know. Well, exactly again, because it's now all. It's, 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 it's there. As I've said before, those movements um, have a good deal, of, very little to do with Judaism, and a lot to do with Presbyterian Christianity. They are extensions of the Presbyterians, or whatever liberal Christianity you want. And um, as such, that's what they're doing. They make them feel good. They have Judaica. They write it pretty exuberant because that's like traditional sounding, but has no meaning. That's all. When do you know that it's time to date? Right. First question, why aren't we obligated, even in the Talmud, according to the oral law, you're not hot in here? 
Yeah. If you are, open a window. Because it gets hot. Then we'll let somebody pick one room. Um, why aren't we obligated to get married from the minute we're obligated in the mitzvahs at Bar Bat Mitzvah? Every 13-year-old should marry every 12-year-old. That's the way it should go, no? And you guys are over the hill. Right, so what's what's the uh, what's the chat? We're not as mature as we no, we never, we never, there was never such an obligation. It was always, as Moshe came in the class day to day, that the point of the modern condition was only Ben Yudches, 18 years old to the Chobah. As a man, a man who's 18, that's the desired age of marriage. But not 13, and my first question is, why not? We need a word for this. Apparently so. Apparently so. Apparently so. So that's, it's, it's a forest tomorrow. Gemara and Kedushin and Chavtes and Mubeis. A man has to fill himself with ruchnis for it. You have, you have to be. You have to build yourself up. Marriage is not a small thing. It requires a certain maturity, certain uh, sophistication. And so, um, until eighteen, a man has to fill himself with as much Torah as he can pack in. Uh, the Gemara seems to acknowledge even as late as twenty, um, he needs the emotional maturity, the intellectual maturity. After twenty. Um, the Gemara concludes all his days, it's hopeless, all his days are spent in what the Gemara calls Hirhur Avera. He's always fantasy of transgression. After, if, he's, if he's an old uh, butler, I don't know, if he's over the hill at, after 20 years old, no good. The Gemara says, and don't worry, don't worry, uh, the modern post scheme changed this. Meaning, if you're over 20 and you're not married, it's okay. But uh, we'll talk, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. So with this, the whole eighteen, the whole Yavi eighteen, does that have anything to do with uh, parnasa? Have to do with parnasa? Not so much. Even though the Rambam does say that a person should have more or less his parnasa sorted out before he gets married, one of the reasons you know this is true, and this also came up in our Gemara and Makos. There used to be an institution, we combine them nowadays, but there were two steps in marriage. There was what they called Kiddushin, ultimately Erusin, it was the same thing. Kiddushin, Erusin. And then 12 months later, there was Nisuin. Kiddushin, for most purposes, meant you were married. And a woman who was unfaithful, who was a Mikudeshet or Mureset, she was Chayavis Misa. Right? Serious stuff. But she was not conjugally connected to the man yet. She wasn't married yet. Then consummated the marriage. She was still living in the house of her father, and that takes 12 months. And why 12 months? Because during that 12 months, the man was building his house and ensuring her parnasa. That was that was the function. So yeah, they took 12 months to do that. That was not the first time that came out that I was thinking. Oh, that's asking the two Yosefs and how he was. When she when she she did the Good, one of the censored Gemaras that you're familiar with. Correct, correct. Ben Steda. Ben Steda, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, talks about how Yashka's mother, Miriam, the woman's hair, hair braider, um, who's an adulterous woman, the virginary. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good. So you have to, you have to say quote. Yeah, right. You, you all get the air quotes there? That was the air quotes. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, right, so she delayed that. That was during that 12-month period. So that's when a man builds his house. But generally, Parnassa is not a reason. We'll talk about this. We'll get to this at one point. It's not usually a reason to put off doing those important missions that we have to get to, including, for example, having children when you get married. But I'm about to get there, too. Um, <clears throat> when should we get married? What is the function of married? Um, we have, we have uh, the idea... This is this is uh, interesting interesting idea. You know that Adam was created, and the Torah gives two different, seemingly two different accounts of the creation of Adam. You had the what's the Christians divide up the first chapter. That's not, that's a Christian division. But the first account of Adam seems to be the conqueror. He's the one who is naming the animals. He's assigned with being in charge of the world. He dominates the world. That's one facet of the male experience in the world. Then you have, it effectively begins the second chapter of Bracius. Um, then you have Adam rendered in a very different way, um, what's sometimes called Adam Shani, who's the one who is questing. He's the one who seeks an Azer Kinegdo, an expression we're going to have to talk about that's vital to understand what is, what is the Azer Kinegdo in marriage, the helpmate who's Kinegdo. We'll have to define that too. Um, he's presented in the Torah's terms as the more emotional, questing, seeking one. Um, according to, according to, uh, to a, a one, one understanding of this, that we are all like this. We have these two elements, and both elements are critical for marriage. 
You have to have the conqueror, the businessman, the practical one. That is an absolute quality of marriage. And the ksuba, for example, is one facet of that. Marriage, among other things, is a business transaction. You know, you're merging two families. Uh, there has to be a promise. There has to be. There has to be a sense that at the end, of, at the end of, at the end of this, um, everybody's going to be taken care of. Um, people who overlook that aspect of marriage do so at their own peril. Uh, you'd be foolish to not recognize marriage as having all those qualities. But there's Adam Shani. There's the second version of Adam who is uh, who's the emotional one. And if you're only business oriented, if you're only pragmatic in your approach to marriage, you're missing the fundamental core of marriage. You need to be the person who there who's who's. In a certain sense, Adam poetically says, my bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He sees the extension of Chava as an extension of himself, his, his other half. He cannot live, he cannot exist in the world effectively without that component, without his right to complete him. Um, one of the reasons why, for example, a married man is more qualified as a shlich sibor than a single man, because a single man is only a half a person on a certain level. A married man with all the responsibilities that marriage retains, you know, includes you have, yeah, you have to get to your wife, you have suddenly a whole new stage of existence, um, but that means you're more of a mensch. You're more of a human being with more challenges, you also have to rise to the challenges and it makes you a superior human being. So both of these facets are part of this. I, I say this now at the very beginning as, a, as, a, as an introduction because you got to realize both facets, when you're getting married, both, both of these qualities are intrinsic. If anything that I just said intimidates you or makes you feel, I don't think I'm up to that yet. You know, the practical, professional mortgages and baby diapers and all the rest of that aspect of marriage and also the emotional building a bonded relationship that's going to hopefully sustain you for, uh, for until 120 years old. So both of you reach 120 years. Um, so maybe you're not ready for marriage yet. Go ahead. Um, so that second part is just as important as, as true as the first part. Yeah. By the way, that whole thing is well developed. I should, I should set my sources. That Adam Rishon, Adam Shani piece that I'm just briefly um, quoting is, is, a, is a metaphor that was developed by Rav Soloveitchik from YU. A very profound analysis that he has about human destiny and marriage. Go ahead. Um, how is it in the Gemara that you, um, which I go to get my sister, to get my, my daughter, whatever, in the Gemara? Yeah, right. So how is that? I'm saying like... So they, like, they, that was more like a transaction than it was like, like a question or whatever, right? That was the beginning of the marriage. That doesn't mean that was the that was the whole essence of it. <laughs> after the fact, after you get the business, and honestly, even today, with a lot of marriage, there is a certain business aspect that you're best off getting out of the way from the outset. And then later, once you're in the marriage, you're going to have to develop the emotional side. But if you only have the one, then you're not really married. Um, <clears throat> here's another question. You know, Hashem designed the world deliberately in every little detail, every facet. He didn't necessarily have to create a world in which human beings got married. We could have gotten this one alone, no? On a certain level, part of us, especially men, men don't want to be married. We resist marriage by our constitution. Um, as we just illustrated in your class, that whole thing, the, the bachelor party and all the rest of that. So why didn't he create us where we could be alone? Why do we have to get married? As the world could be in any which way or shape that Hashem would choose, what was Hashem's thinking in creating us as we were? Yeah, right, right. You know, we're only people when we're given. The definition, go I refer you to Rav Dessler, the Mikhtar Miliao, is a fantastic piece on this. The essence of love, contrary to popular understanding, is giving. When you're married, you have an opportunity to give to the one person who honestly is sometimes the hardest person to give to because your one helpmate that you're living with, that you're going through all of life with, sometimes is the least desirable person to give to. We take them for granted. Usually husbands and wives take, them, take, them, take one another for granted altogether. It's much easier to give, I don't know, a sick person in a hospital a gift because you feel like you're doing something more, more significant. But giving my husband, giving my wife, you know, for most married people, eh, doesn't feel like fun, but that's what we're supposed to do. That's the, that's the nature of marriage. So that's good. That's certainly an answer. Any other answers? Why marriage? So you know, it's really hard to be married. Um, if consider, don't consider, but like think about the concept that they talk about in the world today: same-sex marriage. What they have, what they talk about, which is interesting. There is a Gemara in Chulim that says like this. It says. Even the goyim, with all their depravity, would never stoop so low as to actually have men marrying men or women marrying women. Can you imagine such a concept? 
Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in a sense, and take the whole take the whole intimacy part out of it. Um, my wife made this observation. You know, she said she said if men married men, you know what they would do? They would sit around watching the ball game all day, having a good old time. And if women married women, they would sit around and cross each other. They would they would they would sit speak to each other. Listen, no, no, no. The women would, would would sit and talk with one another about their feelings. And on a certain level, all day and all night, and they, and it would be so compatible, and in a sense, too easy for all that. Meaning, part of the design of creation, the way Kaddish Baruch builds it into the Bria, into the universe, is that we should be with, on some ways, and talk about this a lot, somebody who's polar opposite from you. Because it's going to be really hard and really challenging. And if you want to make it work, you're going to have to work with all of your might to make the thing work. And as I said before, that's what makes a mensch. And Kaddish Baruch wants this. He wants to challenge us. Do you ever notice about the Torah in general? The Torah, in most of the mitzvahs, Challenges to be, be challenges us to be better than we would be on our own. Most mitzvahs are designated to, to bring that out. Why do, for example, men have all of the mitzvahs aseishas mangrama? Women are torot. They are exempt from the seven time-bound mitzvahs. What are the seven? I mean, uh, seven time-bound mitzvahs. Say it louder. Sukkot, but you mean the sitting in the sukkah yeah, and also the lulav. Yeah. And the lulav, there's two separate of the seven. Tfilin, Tfilah, Shabbos, Tzitzit, Tzitzit, Shofar, Shofar? They can. All of these, they can, they can yeah. fulfill these, but it's a rishus. It's not a it's not a chol. Oh, 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 so hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, the last one. Shema. So listen, women, women are peturos from these from these seven mitzvahs. Asishes mangrama. You know why? Women have it built in kedusha in time. They're not challenged in terms of time. Men are challenged in terms of time. You know who does terribly without structure is men. Women are okay with that structure. You send women on vacation and they somehow manage. They find what to do. We without structure are lousy. No? We sleep in. Not No? We, we don't do well. We usually, usually, we usually go south when we're without structure. Comes the Tyra and gives us these seven time-bound mitzvahs, among other things. We have to be up for chakras in the morning. And at mincha in the afternoon. It bookmarks our days. It gives us that kind of necessary structure. And as a result of it, it's hard. And, we, and it challenges us to be much better human beings. That's the function, are you? If Tefillah is a time-bound mitzvah, but women can reasonably do... Why is it such a big deal about Separate reasons. Even though we know that Michal Bashal, the Gemara says, does did wear tefillin, nowadays it's prohibited. Um, because even if then it was okay, today it's become, among other reasons, it's seen as begging ish. It's she's now wearing something that's distinctly in our culture associated with male dress, so that's one of the many reasons um, that it's prohibited. Like that back then. What's that? It wasn't like that back it then. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily didn't have that innate association. And what she was doing is she was doing it purely Lashem Shemaim. Today there are other reasons they're doing it. What last year they came out Ramaz and the other school in, 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 in the Bronx. Right, I forget the name of it. Right, they didn't do it. Why, why, it's against, why, 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 it's not our discussion why right now. Why is it in filling? Why is it in filling around like Ashma and sitting in the Sibyl? Each one. Each one. Great discussion. Another time. I have a share on the subject. Really, really. It's a great discussion and their answers. We'll get we'll, we'll we'll get to it. Bezras Hashem in the course of the year, and we'll do it as a twelve thirty um, slot. Okay. Um, yeah, the idea of marriage today is particularly difficult, no? Because um, the world is arguably utterly Greek. We are living in the what they call it the me generation. Everything is totally around me. Um, was in Bit in the early in the oh 1980 I remember this in Saturday Night Live Al Franken who's now a state senator I think Al Franken was uh, was on Saturday Night Live and that's what happens they become senators that's American culture anyway the um, so he had a great bit mocking up he said the 70s the 1970s were called the me decade. The me decade has become the me century. Me meaning everything's narcissistic. It's all about me. That's my life. That's the way. That's the way. Nothing else matters. And so he was. He did. A, he did a send up. He was on news commentary. He said, "You know, it's terrible. People living so selfishly. You walk past the store. You see something yummy. You go buy it for yourself because you're so important." I propose that the 1980s are starting right now. That we have a whole new turnaround decade. Instead of thinking, "What can I do for me?" When you get up in the morning, he said, 
You should instead think about, when you get up in the morning, what can I do for me? Al Franken, and his name appears on the screen. And he said, that's right. Next time you want to get yourself a treat, don't buy it for yourself. That's selfish. He said, get it for me, Al Franken. Uh, that was his answer to the me generation. Great, great little send-up. Anyway, I mean, we're, it's not just, it's a generation. It's a whole cultural sensibility. We're so self-absorbed. And we're so self-absorbed, we don't even realize it. And if you come to me and say, Rabbi, I have the worst problem. Can you talk about me? Because I'm terribly self-absorbed. Rabbi, was that? I know, right. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, we're so self-absorbed <laughs> that afterwards, you know, after Shabbos, people's questions is, how was your Shabbos? Oh, my Shabbos, well, we gave it a 6.3. Right? As if, like, we're here to play movie critic with Shabbos, as if it matters whether I enjoy Shabbos or not Shabbos. Right? That's, that's what it's all about in the world. How was the class today? Well, it was, you know, he told a couple jokes, but it wasn't quite as funny as yesterday because we got down to business and marriage, right? Um, <laughs> right? So, but it's not about your aesthetic experience in the world, but that's the narcissistic outlook. And with that kind of a sensibility, if you're all about yourself, but marriage demands that you be a giver and you be all about the other person, those two things clash, you notice, right? Those are very, those are hard things to sustain. So these are some of the reasons that marriage is challenging. Um, we're, it doesn't help us that we're living in a world. This is all background to what makes you ready for marriage. Um, this is what you should have in mind before going into marriage. You should be working on yourself. You actually come to Yeshiva. Say, oh, get up. Get up in the back because this is an important insight. The other stuff, forget it. But like, this, this is really important. Do you realize? Come on, Daniel. Join us. Uh, Al, okay. Too much, too much meat. Okay. So the... the um, most of us have problems. Most of us have work on our midos. Good. Do you realize what a gift the Kaddish Baruch has given you? You're here. You're young. Your life is in front of you, right? And you can come and you can be anybody you want to be. And you're given this luxury of a year in your life with no pressure, no financial issues. You can have food. I mean, you may not always love the food, but it's there for you. Um, and you can sit and work on yourself. Before you have hangups, one of the reasons why I'm really into giving this class, um, you know, I told you I worked as a marriage, as a marriage counselor. Therapy's okay. I'm into it sometimes. You know that therapists sometimes damage people? Sometimes people go to therapy and they come out much worse than they started. Uh, something that's very damaging. Even when it comes out well, it was my feeling as a therapist, one of the reasons why I'm much more into being a Rebbe these days than being a therapist, is because often they come after the fact. They come messed up with terrible lives, and sometimes not just their own lives and their wives' lives, but a bunch of little kids as well are now in the picture that they haven't considered before they made a lot of their mistakes. And whatever comes out of therapy, even the most successful therapy, my feeling was it's too little, too late a lot of the time. It's, I'm, do, I'm putting Band-Aids on the wounds after the fact, but wouldn't it be better to do a little preventative medicine before people mess up their lives, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm into this and what we're doing now. Raise the issues now. Be prepared. What do you need to get into without overwhelming you? I don't mean to come on too strong and to make you, make you too, too uh, downcast. What did we talk about this yesterday, too? Isn't this depressing? Isn't marriage too much? But I don't think so. I think if you go into marriage, like life in general, with your eyes wide open, when you're very aware of the um, serious ramifications, and then you work on yourself now, you actually stand the best chance of having a pretty happy life and a successful marriage. That's the purpose here. And so with that in mind, with a heavy dose of realism and sober reality, we'll, 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 try, we'll try to go forward. You know, what makes a person ready for marriage? Um, you know, some people married for all the wrong ideas. They love the idea of marriage, and she's okay. You ever hear this before? People fall in love with the idea of getting marriage, and then they persuade themselves that they're over the moon in love, but they never really worked on themselves. They never, they never went through the process. Um, you know that we're all really messed up, too, by the Western world in marriage and love. You realize this? Of course. Um, the Chazunish said what they call love, we call kares. <laughs> he didn't mean it as a one-liner either, but it really is. Uh, I, I defy you to top that one, really. The, uh, the It's really true. It's really true. And we have all kinds. Of, listen to this also. Here's a golden insight. Not to only hear. Not to only understand. Listen to this. Listen to the next next bit. Uh, if you get this and internalize it and live by it, you have a great chance for having a good life. They feed you this nonsense. Every other love song, and how many songs are not love songs? <laughs> That'll make them You can count them on your hand. Yeah, no, I mean, every song's a love song, no? In some way, shape, or form, right? How often?
really thinking of you make me chocolate chip cookies, cookies, you know, that's nobody sings like that. They sing about love. Right? They sing I, I remember the old lounge singer song from the seventies. Um, you make me so very happy. I'm so glad you came into my life. No, that's all like old cheesy sixty seventy songs. But that's just a variation and he's like, analyze those words for a second. What is really what's the what's the idea being put across in those words? I am happy. I'm happy. You make me so very happy, and you know, the minute you stop doing that, beat it, lady. I'm so glad you came into my life, because the goal of this marriage is that you come into my life and make me happy. That's what it's all about. And you get that message. Talk about being brainwashed. You're subliminally fed this idea in every love story, in every movie that you see, in every everything. It's all about you, all about getting your kicks. Falling in love, that's the goal. Um, and then we assume that those are the attitudes we're supposed to have, and we take those assumptions into our marriage, and it's tragic, the results. Hazal, don't write love out of the picture, but the definition of love is very different. What do we define as love? We said giving. Probe that a little bit more. What is what is really love as far as we're concerned? Say it louder. Say it louder. Seeing yourself in the other person. Raising children. That's for children. Hey, that's perfect. I like the first question. What's the goal of marriage? What is love according to Torah? What is love? There's no way I'm giving this class back. Every every other sentence I say being some other, some other kind of pop reference without intention. Without intention. Without intention. Without intention. Without intention. Yeah. It's to give, but to realize what that means. To put effort, serve, to invest into the other person. To invest in the other person. That's good. To become closer to God. To have a better appreciation of how you're going to be. To And do you realize then if that's really true? There's no such thing as love at first sight. That's nonsense. That's a love of mindset. There's no such thing as really falling in love. Because as quickly as you fall in love, everybody who's ever fallen in love falls out of love. And then in the in the movies in the in, in the way it's, it's all rendered, when you fall out of love, the marriage is over because it's all about me and my kicks. No, that's the way it works. I'm not interested in that. Love, by the way, why do I just formulated, and I think you're correct, is is something that comes maybe if maybe 10 years, 20 years down the line. Whoa. It's a process. Maybe in old age, you'll finally figure out how to give adequately. And it's it's the cumulative result of a, of a huge investment on your part. It has nothing to do with those crazy love songs and everything to do with becoming a mensch. All right? Uh, actually, um, yeah, just today, Rabbi Tats gave a speech, actually, and he brought uh, love into it. Well, that was one of the things. I have some Rabbi Tats quotes in my... In my, in my uh, uh, who was the rabbi he wrote? He quoted uh, some rabbi that said, uh, the only person that, that you can love is yourself. And so when you love somebody else, it's because you take your own process. It's quoting the Mikhtar Miliyahu that I was just referring to before. Yeah. So what is it that one feels? Or, or officially, what do people feel? What oh, oh, that, that's called lust. Desire. Yeah. Desire. Infatuation. Not only lust the first year. Infatuation. Right. Do you know what it is? Can year, I give you a definition? So you know what it is? Like year two it's to year 20. Like what's that? Favorite ice cream. We're back to favorite ice cream flavors again. Yeah. Favorite ice cream, picture it in your mind, right? Okay, you have an ice cream that's the best. Don't tell ice me. Is. Okay. Favorite ice cream is ice. You go to the freezer. It's a long day. You you put it. You put in a good. You got a good, good good week of learning. And you go to the freezer. And your best friend has surprised you. And there's a there's a full pint of your favorite ice cream, the favorite brand, the most expensive in the world. And it's there for you with a note on you. Have a nice have a nice evening. And you sit down, and that first bite is it's delicious. And you down the whole thing in one in one sitting. Okay. <laughs> Um, the next day comes and they surprise you again. How's the experience? A little less nice. I'll eat it. No complaints, right? But okay, it gets a little ordinary after a while, right? A week of this treatment, you got it with the ice cream. Okay, their definition of love. What? What happened? What do you do? You don't need to hear it. I heard it. I heard it. We started it yesterday. Yeah. Um, in any case, in any case, that's what they call love. And love is, from that definition, it's just desire. It's a fleeting experience. By definition, it can't last. Of course, you don't get your kicks. We're too good for that. We're too complicated for that. Of course, we don't live for our kicks, for fulfilling our baser desires. We're living for something much greater than us, right? So, with all of this as background, as what we're what we're what we're here for, um, right? 
perhaps if you consider this and consider what marriage is about, um, you're ready to get married. How old should you be when you get married? The Gemara says 18. The later post scheme disagree. The Yamshel Shlomo, who was a cousin of the Ramah living in the 16th century, already then, 500 years ago, writes that um, a man should wait until he's 24 years old. I said 23, 27. Yamshel Shlomo, 24. Um, I'll give you, let me give you a quick survey. Ask the question in a second. Remember it. Chafetz Chaim says a person should search at 24 and marry at 25. Um, Chazon Ish says the Roshi Yeshiva, he's referring to the Yeshiva world, should encourage people a little bit younger. He disagreed. He said, but um, they shouldn't wait until after 23. Um, Who's the last one? That was the Chazon Ish. And actually, Revolbi says the name of the Chazon Ish that he thought the ideal age was 20. Um, Rav Chaska Levenstein would tell uh, Bacher, who's learning 24, um, but he made an exception. He said if he's learning and there's a concept of Yitzro Tokfo, is Yitzhahara's attacking him, literally? And it's subjective. you got to know yourself. If somebody's going berserk and he cannot last without a wife, so Rav Levenstein was willing to say, go get married younger. Um, he says, he says if, if, if he's learning and Yitzro Lo Tokfo, if he's fine, go even past 24. Maximize the years, you know, learning without any responsibility, without any pressure, can be optimal. So if a guy's learning and he's, he's okay, he's maintaining it, um, wait. You don't have to rush. Then we could be like that Tano when I got married. Yeah? Fine? That's well, not good then. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Uh, well, no. Um, well, we'll talk about all this. Ravshach um, said about 22. Um, but then maybe a guy who's not learning maybe can be younger, like 20. Um, for girls, Roshach said as young as possible. He says his analysis was that the more she gets, the older, the older she gets, the pickier she gets. She's less amenable to her parents' in, uh, suggestions and ideas. Um, Roshach was not, he said that it was, he, it was asked, what about if the girl's older than the boy? He said, not a problem. Um, he didn't. He felt that if she's more than five years older than the than, than the man, then that could be a problem that could lead to problems with Shalom Bayis. Um, so this is a quick survey of the ages. And Revolvi, who's the Ali Shore, one of the great uh, Bali Musar of the last generation, he explains. I'm going to quote him. It's really quotable. He says, "Today, most of our young people have difficulty managing even the smallest amount of emotional stress." We're living in a different generation. He's writing in the Torah world. We're messed up. We're not emotionally stable. He says, if a serious problem comes up, they often need a therapist or they need a sedative. Uh, he said, there's no home without problems. Marriage is the big leaks. It's the real world. Um, and people naively go into marriage expecting to find their home some safe haven from the troubles and only pleasure when actually the, the problem's in the homes. So if they don't have a certain modicum of emotional, intellectual maturity, so they might be heading for disaster. Nobody says this, what I'm about to suggest. It seems to me it's mashma, the people who are not coming from the... They're all assuming that a person grew up, born and bred from a yeshiva and the rest of it. If somebody's coming who's a balchuva or maybe from a more modern background, it would seem to me, by, based on their teachings, it'd be mashma to wait even longer. Possibly. Even though a lot of guys get married younger and everybody's different and you'll figure it out for yourself and hopefully you'll, you'll consult with your rabbis and role models and teachers and whatnot. But, um, but I could see why it'd be reasonable for a person to wait a little bit longer to establish a strong foundation. My daughter put it nicely once. She said, not only do you want to find um, the right partner in marriage, you'd also like to stay married when you get married. I want to be the right partner. Say it again? I want to be the right partner. You want to be the right partner in marriage as well. Yeah, what were you going to ask before, Shirley? Yeah, sorry. Um, two questions. One, uh, about like someone like you see a lover just marrying a girl because the guitar is too strong. How, yeah. How does that work? I mean, oh, how does that work? Um, that sounds like it's like some sort of bad. Yeah. I know, but you know, as I say, I don't understand. Chazal were realists. Right? A Kaddish Baruch who gave a person Yitzhahara, it serves a good function. I talked about this yesterday. But it's supposed to be such a pure and only thing, not like Yitzhahara, it's halfway giving in, I don't know. What do you but that becomes water, that's the whole thing. Right. That's the point. So, in, in other words, in theory... Okay, so, so, in theory, I identify with what you're saying. It rubs us wrong, especially Torah teaches us the ideal way of being. So this seems like such a concession to such a lowly state of mind, right? That's what, that's what you are, are rejecting right now. 
I'm suggesting though that Chazal were realists. They understood that everybody's different, everybody has their hang-ups, and they too were concerned not only that you get married, but that you stay married. And that your marriage should be a, a, a you know vital vital thing. And there are other factors, other considerations. Not only that, and then on the other side, you should continue Yitzhahara. Sometimes the Yitzhahara is so overwhelming that a person might sin. And what with if you that, for a person like, to like sin, God forbid, but then have like a normal, healthy marriage? Who's to say that they're well, at, at, so they that they're contradicting? They're mutually exclusive. They may not be. Clearly, you have to take consultation with somebody because if somebody's really immature or has serious problems, even if his yitzur is attacking him, he should not get married. I think everybody agree with that. Yeah, I think but we're talking about a guy who's, who's so essentially okay. It's just his yitzhahara is overwhelming him. And then, you know, Chazal say about a man who's married, they describe such a person, a state of mind existentially, pas, forget my voice, it's waning, it's waning after a full week, but hopefully next week I'll be, I'll be back to the inner story. Anyway, the, um, Chazal say a man who's married, pas, besalo, he has bread in the basket, he's calmer, he's happier, even when his wife's in need, uh, yeah, but she'll go to the mikvah, and there's a certain, he has a certain state of mind where he's okay. He's not stressed. Um, men have that biological, physical, physiological need, and it, whether you're aware of it or whether it's subconscious, the knowledge that you have the wife and, and, and that there's the possibility for, um, for intimacy changes one's outlook altogether. And therefore, the Yitzhahara becomes more manageable. If a person just gets married to like, satisfy or put away his Yitzhahara, then what's not when his Yitzhahara goes back when he's married? Understood. Nobody should get married just to satisfy his Yitzhahara. They're talking about a combination factor. Where the guy's okay, and maybe he could wait, and he's not totally immature, but everything considering, maybe he'd get married a little younger than he would have otherwise gotten married, because the factor that puts him over is the Yitzhahara. Shia? Interrupting his Torah, I think. So if, if, if you think about that all day, you know, learning about the Torah, Nice. Nice. Here's Shai's point. It's, a, it's a, right. Exactly. And again, it's subjective. For some person, his yitzhar is overwhelming him, so he can't even learn anyway. So then, what is he doing with his time? He's not exactly. Uh, he's not exactly progressing. Um. Yeah. You said perhaps that one should extend in today's generation. So, what do you mean by the past twenty-four? Um. Possibly. Yeah. That's what I meant. That's what I meant by that. And I think it's entirely subjective. Depending on what your issues are, we have to work out. Um. You know. Maybe. Yeah. It takes some time. Learn some Musser. For some people, maybe therapy. You heard my, you heard my pitch about therapy earlier. I'm not, I'm not, I, I sometimes hold my therapy, and sometimes I'm, I'm against it. It's, it's, it's case by case. But um, yeah, some people have serious issues, and then they just jump into marriage. A lot of people have this misconception that marriage will solve all the problems. Again, the Bubba Mices that we pick up from the media all live happily ever after. When in fact, marriage not only usually in those cases will not solve your problems, they'll exacerbate them. They'll make them much worse. Because, you know, marriage is this institution takes some building and time and energy and what happened? Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Is it possible to marry the right woman for the wrong reason? Sure. All yeah. kinds of, yeah, for sure. Thing? What? Is it a bad thing to do? Possibly. <laughs> because then she might be the wrong woman. Meaning your motivation for what gets you into a marriage itself is huge. And therefore, she may seem on paper to be the right woman, but if your motivation is wrong, that could skew the whole marriage. But over time... The you remember what I said yesterday? We talked about this yesterday, that the, when a guy is dating, whatever dating means, right, and he's not serious about marriage, he'll look for one thing, but when he actually gets serious about marriage, he's a different person. So then he'll look for different criteria. And, and hopefully... As, as the marriage moves along, you'll start picking up the pieces that would... Normally, of possibly, right possibly. I don't think there's an absolute. I think often in these classes, the best conversations take place off the recorded uh, tape and after class when we're sitting presenting and closing. Inevitably, unfortunately. So I think we had one yesterday also where I made this presentation where you know Joseph, you said this right. What was the and, and uh, what was the formula that uh, you know that if you if you know person person who has lots of uh, girlfriends before, so it's not necessarily a good recipe for marriage. And then you countered reasonably with the scenario where a guy. Had lots of girlfriends, he got married to somebody else, and they had what seems to be a perfectly nice, stable marriage. And I said, uh-huh. These are not absolutes. And so, so too, I have that response to you as well. He could marry the right, whatever the right woman means, you know, for the wrong reasons, and it could be fine. I'm just saying, in, a, in an institution that's so fraught and risky, why would you want to increase the risk by doing things for the wrong reasons? 
Um, let's talk briefly, we have only a few minutes left. Let's talk briefly about the concept of how to get married. There is a Jewish tradition. They call it Shadchanos. It's brought in the Shulchan Aruch. It's not always kept to. Um, it seems it has all kinds of uh, cultural stereotypes and maybe things that... Um, do that again? No, there you go. Uh, that maybe maybe some people are averse to. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a case. I'm gonna make a case in favor of. Um, I don't know. What's the alternative to shadchanos? What do you do? Have you right, go, to, go, go, go to a bar. Go to a bar. Craigslist. Thank you. Craigslist. Wow. She might have an That's exactly what I'm at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so uh, through mutual friends, God, are you kidding? Oh, that's Shatana's potentially. The mutual so friends. Shatana doesn't have to be an actual Shatana. It like, does not have to be Yenta. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Mount Fisher on the roof. Yenta, that was her name. Right? It doesn't have to be a Yenta figure. Could be a lot of different figures, but listen to that concept. What you're, the idea of Shatchanus means you're deferring to a neutral third party, hopefully neutral. When they're, let's say the matchmaker is your sister or a good friend. Sometimes they're biases. Sometimes they're internal influences that aren't so helpful. Or that, or how that plays out. It may be okay. It happens sometimes and it's legitimate. But how could that play itself out? They may be overly pushy. They may, um, they may take sides. One of the helpful. Go with ask, my friend. Right, right, right. One of the things, listen, the classic scenario of Shadchanus is somebody reads a shidduch, that's the Yiddish term. Somebody, somebody suggests a shidduch between two people, okay? And then um, they go out, and then before there's anything, both families, if the families are involved, and I strongly encourage the people, families, families should be involved, both families do extensive research behind the scenes. They find out effectively everything that they could possibly find out, even though it's a huge amount of mystery and there's stuff you'll never find out, you'll conceal things. No, talk about Lashon Hara. It's not only not Lashon Hara, it's an obligation. Correct, you guys know, a lot of you don't know this again. It's an obligation if you know stuff about somebody that's relevant to marriage, you have an obligation with Toelis to tell them to convey that information. You can't keep it to yourself. So you, you try as best you can so that by the time you're actually going out on the first date, there's nothing new that you have to learn about the person. You, you effectively know everything there is to know about one another. That's that, the that idea. sounds a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it like the words. But isn't that the whole point of uh, everything? I mean, like if you know every, if you know everything ahead of time, yeah. you go on a date. What are you supposed to talk? You're not gonna know her favorite food or whatever. You see if the chemistry's right. Right. Then, then you see. Then you see because there's nothing like seeing the person in, you know up, up close, and then and then all the things that they said on paper. Push that aside and see. Okay, this is the real person. It's starting on a fifth date, though, it's uh... right. That's the idea. It's fantastic. It takes a lot of the guessing out of it. Do you know how deceived we are? Do you know how often it is that people, you know, love at first sight and they'll see somebody and they'll say, "Oh, this is perfect." They'll fall in love with an image. Listen to this idea. They'll fall in love with the image that has nothing really to do with the person. And then, once you get married, you discover who the person really is, and you say, "This is not who I married." That's right. much better. I married someone. You know, you're talking about an institution. You, you would I like to stay me. married. You'd like to be the yes, as even though a lot of this is mysterious. But you want us to be, you know, some some kind of a productive, uh, hope, helpful process. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So, uh, okay. So pretty much what you're saying is that uh, there shouldn't be a whole thing of since the families are involved. There shouldn't be a whole thing that the guy and the girl they take it into their hands. Right. <laughs> right. That's really that's the idea of Shabbos is that it's not up like in the bar scene or whatever I mean, the internet dating schemes. Um, you go through a neutral third party who's really in the best of circumstances, maybe a little experienced, can right. help out, knows knows the you know stumbling blocks and so on, can guide people who are naive, who don't really know. Um, do you know that lots of conflicts can be averted if you have a clever, thoughtful, insightful. Shadchan, monetary issues come out and should do. I mean, it makes sense too. You're basically two families emerging on some level. Okay. Who pays for what? What are the, the expectations in money? Flops. Right? What? What? Um, how about door door uh, yesharim tests? I got one done. You got one done. Yeah. Hashem. What is 
Well, so there's in Israel at least. I don't know this is. I don't know exactly what goes on in America. Oh, is that similar thing for the genetic disease? Yeah, right, right. I mean, Ashkenazim have more risk than Sephardim. But but there's certain people who, by definition, are not compatible, or their 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 you know their babies might have problems. So many people wouldn't they'd be disqualified from marrying each other before they even met. So before there's even an emotional connection, they find out. Oh no, this is not compatible. We won't date. It's fantastic to get that out of the way before and you even met each other. It's awesome because like there's no there's no connection, there's no feeling that you have to you got get it. your stuff to but right. what I meant was my question was, uh, I mean I mean even through a shadow but without any um, input of the family, is that what um, I'm gonna argue very much in favor of getting your family involved unless your family are all losers. Uh, you know, it may be. It may be. I mean, everybody's case is a little different, but um, usually your parents, as much as you know, the Mark Twain quote. My dad, when I was 14 year old, 14 years old, was such an ignoramus. I was embarrassed to have the old man around. But then, when I turned 21, he suddenly became so wise and insightful. I couldn't believe how much he'd learned in just seven years. <laughs> it's a great quote, right? But that's how we are. Right? So some people dismiss their parents, they don't know anything, but you know your parents have been around the block and they know a little bit of something and they have a greater vision of the way you're going to be, you know, you're marrying somebody not just who's 21, 22, 24, whatever the age is, but they're looking down the line, what are they going to be like at 40, at 60? What's going to happen when, um, you know, he goes bald and fat and she gets the hips and whatever else. In other words, they're looking at other criteria because, you know, again, we're, we're looking not just for the next few years, but for the long term. And parents generally have more vision towards such things. But I heard something like you're not supposed to listen to your parents if it's the right girl. The Ramah brings down, and Sfaradim also accept this Ramah, the Ramah brings down that your parents, if they tell you to marry a certain girl, you do not have to listen to them. It's not kibu, or they, in other words, kibudava aim does not include their forcing you into a marriage that's not of your choosing. So what if it's the, the flip side? They tell you to not marry someone, but you think it is. Um, that's more of a shyla. There are different deals. By the way, not everybody agrees with that Ramah, but that's the consensus. Um, the other side, the flip side, is also something of a discussion, but generally also, that's not called kibudave. They are there to guide you, but not to um, micromanage you. Um, yeah. So then you have your shatran. And they go through the process, and now I haven't. I don't, we are, we're not through. Next week we're going to pick up and talk about the shit of the process and these various scenarios. And I'll give you my my fifteen point checklist. But for today, at least, just be aware. There's an institution of shulchanos. It's a whole siman in the shulchan aruch under choshen mishpat, meaning it's a monetary issue. You pay the shadchan. Potentially, potentially the law is like this. There are three elements of shadchanos. And there may be one person who does everything, in which case they get the whole sum of money. The sum of money varies from place to place. I know it's more expensive in the States than it is in Israel. But it, it's around, it could be $1,000. It could be a few thousand dollars, depending on where you are. It's a lot of money. Pay it. Absorb the reality right now so that it's not a shock to you later. It's good money. It's money well spent. It could be divided into three. The first third goes to the person who conceives of the idea. Okay. They may do nothing else in the in the whole process. It's their idea, you know, yeah, the Schwartz daughter with the Goldberg boy, good. They get the third. Okay, good deal. Good, good idea. Start thinking about good shidduchim. The middle third is whoever does all the middle stuff, all the going back to endless phone calls. That's a third. And then the final third is the one who, as in a business deal, closes the deal. And finally, you know, their, their marriage, then it's done. And before the wedding, you have to pay your shadchan or your shadchanim. True story, guy's on a bus. And um, he's not eavesdropping, but the people in back of him are talking nice and loud. Uh, but it's a different story. It's not the same thing. Eli milim, Eli milim, I told this morning. In, in, uh, yeah, that's a different story. And another time. But anyway, um, they're talking, and, and the guy in the back of the, and behind him says, Oh, yeah, what about the Schwartz girl and the Goldberg boy? And then they're talking, and the guy in the seat in front of them doesn't mean to hear it, but knows Schwartz and knows Goldberg and thinks, now that's an idea, and goes home and makes the shidduch. <laughs> and indeed, Schwartz marries Goldberg. That's how it works out. And, and then they took the, it was a shot. They took this to Eliashev, and Eliashev Paskin, the guy in the and the seat in the back, got the first third. And and he had no idea anything. And one day he got a knock on his door because the guy in the bus in front of him knew who he was. And they say, by the way, here's a I don't know four hundred dollars. And he said, what? What did I do? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was another 
we're going to go to the other country. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you set up a sibling, then do your parents give you money? That's the halacha. Oh, I, I heard As with all monetary oh transactions, you could be mocha. You could say, I'm not going to take oh, it. However, yeah, however and I'm going to end now. I'm going to end now. And, and, uh, but, but let me just close with this. Um, people who don't pay shatanim, and it happens a lot in the world we're living in, money is a big issue. People are not good with their money often. And um, some people are, but not everybody. And um, and if you don't, it's it has mystical properties. It affects the marriage. There have been many, many stories, I've heard them, of disastrous shalom bias issues. And they go to the Rav, and the Rav's first question is, did you pay your shatchanus? And they hem and they haw, and they say, oh, well, we didn't. We didn't know, and they didn't do, and they didn't really. He said, pay your shatchanim, and suddenly the, sh- the shalom bias issues disappear. Many, many such well, maybe stories. Maybe it's all placebo effect. It could be the placebo effect. It's always possible, but pay your shechanos. Chazal tell you it's 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 a good omen for marriage, and not paying is a bad omen uh, for a bad marriage. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna go into the shidduch scene. We'll talk about how to date, issues that come up in the course of dating. It's not always pleasant, but you know that's human beings, and uh, we'll, we'll pick we'll take it to the next level next week. Have a great Shabbos.